By the mark where the nails have been, by the sign upon his precious skin. I will know my Savior when I come to him, by the mark where the nails have been. Well, it's good to see you, brother. You too. I'm so... Uh, moved that you're willing to jump out here into the ocean with me one more time. It's a joy. Um, my name is Patrick Kennedy. I'm a priest here in the Christian community in Toronto um, and a co-director at the Seminary of the Christian Community in North America. And I am joined by my friend here in our little office up in Vaughan, Ontario. Bye. My name is Jonah Evans, and I am also a priest here in the congregation here in Vaughan, but worldwide known as Toronto. <laughs> and I'm also, with my brother, a co-director of the Seminary of the Christian Community in North America. I'm very happy to be here with you, Patrick. So I was on the phone with one of our colleagues here in the middle of this pandemic, where, um, as we both know, a kind of piercing of the heart has happened with the almost inability to celebrate the most significant event in the world for us and in certainly in our lives in community that is Easter. Yeah. That, that, that there are most congregations with their doors closed and locked and the priests were celebrating alone. And then of course, knowing what all kinds of people are going through and suffering in this time, and even just sheer isolation and aloneness, not to mention all the other things with the health issues, with loss of work, uh, with the mental health issues, if we could go on and on, what people are suffering right now. And he asked me this question. He said, what are you making out of this time? What are you doing with this? And I remember if he, had, he, if he had asked me that earlier, uh, I don't think I could have answered much except I'd say, I'm being done too. I, I, am, I am being worked over by this event. I'm going through it. It's, it's doing things to me, this event of the coronavirus pandemic and all that is connected with it around the world. But it had started to turn already. Something was starting to happen where I could feel, okay, everything that I thought Easter was going to be this year, I thought we were going to be working on, what I thought was going to happen in our community, it can die. And as I did that, I could feel, after some days in the ashes of that death, the new impulse is starting to come, the new creative ideas, the new seeking what can we offer, what can we possibly do in this situation. 
And it suddenly occurred to me, what if we got together, you and I, and did what we do anyway, and have been doing for the past 11 years, and let others in Mm. for 40 days, Mm -hmm. 40 days contemplating what has happened with the event of Easter in the world for human beings the secrets of that event in its liturgical expression, its gospel stories in our own lives. And as I thought of that, it was like immediately what came up is this gospel story of the two disciples after the crucifixion who are walking together in Luke's gospel. On the way, they're leaving Jerusalem and they're on the way to the town of Emmaus. M-A-S. And they are deep in conversation and discussion, struck to the core by everything that they've witnessed. Wasn't this, wasn't this person, Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, supposed to be the Messiah? How could this have happened that the anointed one, the one we've been waiting for, went through what he went through and was, you know, not only rejected by the spiritual leadership of his people and publicly executed by the state that was ruling there in Rome, the Romans, but abandoned and denied by his own students and disciples to die the most ignominious death, cursed is the one hung on a cross, it says in the Old Testament. How They're just like, it cannot fathom how, how this belongs to the story of God and the story of humanity. Wasn't he the one? Should we not now doubt it because this has happened? And they're, in, they're wrestling to try to understand what has happened and what, has, what does it mean? And it's in their conversational wrestling that all of a sudden the gospel writer describes a third person begins walking along with them. And it's Jesus, the gospel writer tells us, but they don't recognize him. And he asks them what they're talking about. And they invite him into the conversation. And he starts opening up to them its meaning. <laughs> he, he steps in where their, own, where their own knowing hits a border, an edge where they just feel like, I can't go past this. He becomes the third one and starts, as it says, opening up the scripture for them, showing how actually all of this was in the internal direction of the universe and was leading to this moment it was meant to be and then he they, it gets to be evening they come to the town and he makes as if he's about to go on keep going and suddenly they speak out this longing like don't go <laughs> abide with us Lord mm. stay with us 
and he decides to come in. <laughs> and, and they come to the meal in this place, and he takes the bread and he breaks it and gives thanks. And suddenly, they see who's been with them the whole time. And then they can't see him anymore. He's gone. And they say, were not our hearts on fire <laughs> as we walked and talked on the road? And he opened up the mysteries for us. So after that story came to me, I then also suddenly saw our story. <laughs> like, 11 years ago, 2009, I was the priest in the congregation in Washington, D.C., and I was running a speaker program. I was trying to get people from all over North America to come and share out of their fruits of their spiritual labor to the congregation, especially just so the congregation has the feeling this is a movement. This mm -hmm. is a movement for religious renewal. It's not just one priest in their congregation, which our congregations are so spread out through North America, you don't often see a, another congregation close by. So you kind of have the impression, well, this is it. So it was really important to me. And you were a new priest. And two, when were you... When were you uh, uh, 2008, I was ordained. Ordained. And so I was one year old, I think. Yeah. Just then recently arrived in Spring Valley? Yeah. Uh, yeah, York. just in the summer. I'd been in Johannesburg, but then just came. Yeah, it's very recent. <laughs> Do you remember what I had asked you to speak about and what you what the talk you gave? I remember the talk, or at least I remember some elements of it, but I don't remember what you asked me to talk about. Yeah. What do you remember? I don't know what the title was. I'm trying to remember the theme. Mm -hmm. I know what the content was, but I don't know what the title was. It was something about... Exactly this. It was like hmm. understanding the significance of the incarnation of Christ for the human being. Oh, yeah. That was the, that was the substance of it. Mm -hmm. And you, in your talk, walked through kind of the significant nodal points in, in the life of Jesus, mm. in the life of Christ in Jesus from the baptism in the Jordan through the resurrection. And with each of these nodal points, you talked about what that meant for human beings. Yeah. yeah. What, so if we look at this part of the story, that meant this for us. If we look at this part of the story, that meant this. You're, you're, is it coming I do, back I now? I remember, yeah. 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 And I remember there was a, then afterward, right, there was a significant disagreement yeah. that we, um, that was revealed. Yeah. That really began our whole yes. theological, spiritual road to Emmaus our road. conversation. So somehow we're now here together in the seminary as directors. I mean, it's 100% <laughs> connected to that beginning. Totally. But I remember sitting in the back and listening to you talk, you know, and, and right, it was right at the beginning, which was the issue for me, because you began with the baptism in the Jordan. Mm. This moment of the divine logos coming down from God, the Holy Spirit descending and entering Jesus. After
after you had laid out the nodal points, you talked about what that meant for us. Mm. And I won't say yet what, what you said, mm. but I'll just say what re- reaction rose up in me, because I yeah, think that's please. more important for our story today. Yeah, because I don't even remember what I said, but it sounds right. Well, you remember, because it launched the whole story. I remember the disagreement. Yeah, somewhere around the the nature of sickness and healing. Yeah, you said you said when 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 Christ incarnated into Jesus, there the incarnation, the the baptism, was the event that healed the human ego. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it happened to be that that was one of my things I worked on. And I had a very specific fruit of my spiritual labor, which was that began with Pentecost. With Pentecost, yeah. And so it felt like I immediately was in disagreement. Yeah. Like, wait, no. Because I had, you know, very specific reasons why that didn't sure. solve our issue yet. <laughs> um, uh, but there I was, I was the local priest, and you were saying this to my whole congregation. Mm. You were one year into your work, mm. and you said it with great conviction. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember also this this feeling of kind of like, man, how where, where do you get off saying this, <laughs> not having tested it mm. with a, a group of colleagues? Because mm. it was kind of an original insight, I think, yeah. that you were working on. Mm. It brought up all kinds of questions for me just in our work. Like, how do we test the fruits of our own spiritual labor, too? Mm. But I remember I had some pain and kind of a little bit of anger. It felt a judgment. I was saying I had judgment at your hubris. Mm. The reason I'm saying this, confessing my sins here, (laughs) is because... It was a part of the beginning of the conversation. The way mm. I questioned you about it had some pepper in it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just like, hmm. Oh, no. I don't quite see it like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember that very clearly. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the, the two things yeah. that, that it felt like such an important mm-hmm. message. Mm-hmm. How is the human self rescued? It feels like that's it. the question of our age. Yeah. But the answer felt wrong, mm-hmm. so that's why I was already invested. Oh yeah. no! Yeah. Yeah. And I was—I had that kind of internal, um, yeah, like there was a kind of negative energy mm. in me towards you saying it in the mm-hmm. way you did. Mm-hmm. So that when I confronted you about it, I mean, I remember—I'll never forget—it was right outside my house. Mm-hmm out by the car. I don't know. We maybe had been talking in the car we started. Mm. I think you were staying with me there in in Kensington, Maryland. Mm. And I remember it just started getting hotter and brighter and hotter, like metal in the fire. I was like, (laughs) it's picking up. And and just saying, like, how could you say that? And that's not true. Just Mm. just saying, you know. And Mm. And I remember the look in your eyes, too, of like, whoa. But you didn't, you didn't freak out, <laughs> and you didn't run away. Mm-hmm. You, you, you stayed in, mm-hmm. and you pushed back, and, you, and we started arguing, yeah. wrestling yeah. about it. Wrestling. So really, what yeah. happened there? When, is, when and how is the human ego, human mm-hmm. selfhood, rescued through Christ's salvific work? Yeah. 
And because we were in disagreement, I'll just never forget. Then you went home and it was like, then it started. Then it started. Do you remember? So what do you remember of that, that beginning time? I just remember... Um, I remember giving that talk and I remember definitely feeling inspired and just so happy to be in your congregation also and to be invited and that was new and I was so passionate about these theological questions and somehow in my naivete I just thought oh of course obviously you know no Christian community priest would ever disagree with this (laughs) and I think I think I was in shock actually a little bit that um it wasn't as clear to you as it was clear to me <laughs> so it was a mutual feeling of shock. yeah it was like oh, oh, uh, you know that kind of thing um but i remember just feeling also just this fire of um that i can look back now upon and see this fire of the 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 enthusiasm to wrestle and to fight not against but with mm. a kind of angel mm. to to wrestle the angel mm. kind of like um Jacob wrestling the angel um where I guess, for whatever reason, somewhere in me I knew there must be an angle that that my brother is seeing that I don't see. But I also knew for certain that I that there was a true angle that I was seeing. Mm. And I, I and it was a bit frustrating because for some sometimes I didn't feel I could express it mm. in a way that was communicative. Mm. And so that kind of also, that also was part of the fire for me is how can I learn to express the nuance here Mm. that I don't seem to be touching? Mm. Um, Yeah. And then also just, and also, also having the feeling like you expressed, my brother's just wrong. He's wrong here. This is is not true. It's like the most important question. Exactly. Exactly. And like a lot at stake. Yeah, a lot at stake. So it's not just a conversation, it's a it's our movement is at stake, so mm. to speak. Mm. Two significant up and coming priests. I don't know about significant, but <laughs> up and coming priests, you know, we 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 need to to touch the truth here. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we lived far away. It was like four and a half hours distance. But it was right at the time where it was possible to do a kind of collaborative research through the new technological tools. Yeah. So that we started like, you know, our own Google Docs, shared Google Doc. Um, And I remember... 
you know, receiving new emails or new messages like from you, hey, I found this or five more things <laughs> that point towards yeah. the truth of what I was saying. Yeah. And I would come back with, yeah, but here's five more things. Yeah, here's another, you know, mm-hmm. and we have to see it in light of this, but then you have to take that into account. And, you know, we were, of course, drawing on things like our creed and the Gospels, but of also this incredible, groundbreaking research of Rudolf Steiner, yeah. who'd gone through his anthroposophical work, his totally new way of being able to do spiritual research into the event of the of of what happened there on that mountain in Golgotha called Golgotha. Yeah. And you know, the three thousand lecture what of six thousand lectures that he that he gave that we have some kind of notes for, so many of which focus on some other little aspect. And then also the joy of discovering how differently yeah. he would approach it. Like what you or I might have found this one aspect that seemed to present it in this one light very clearly, and we had kind of latched onto it and felt that yeah, that reveals something really important. And then you or I would go, but this, and then we'd draw something from somewhere else, and you'd I remember that feeling again and again of having to loosen up. Yeah of having to kind of make make room in my my knowing for one more way of looking for one yeah. more way for and and the more we did, you know at first it felt a little bit more like trying to convince each other yeah. like i'm right yeah. you're wrong you're right i'm wrong yeah and we're kind of going it was a little bit like you know like this head yeah. to head yeah. like rams but the more we stayed with it and the more we were, I could feel like this fire mm. of also zeal. I would use the word even mm-hmm. like zeal. First, I would say in the lower sense of it was part of it. Yeah. There was also this other part of like my ego of wanting to be right. Sure, sure. Yeah, me too. Yeah. But having that kind of burn away and start to become, hey, Jonah, I think we're onto something. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. And this this being inspired by truth as a prismatic mm. experience with multiple refractory colors as opposed to um, a kind of singular abstract idea of truth that is a certain thing and it can't be another yeah so this experience of starting to see oh well there's something there that if i want to get closer to this being of truth Mm. i actually have to to not just concede but make room for more light that i didn't see Mm. that then adds to and strengthens what I was seeing, but brings it into a different fullness, if I can say it like that. And then some things also fell away. I also experienced through our journey Mm. 
that, yeah, there were some things that I wasn't quite, that, that were misplaced. Um, and there were some things that, that were right on that just received more fullness mm, right. as time mm-hmm. and our relationship grew. Yeah, I had the exact same experience. Certain things were kind of confirmed. Yeah. And certain things I had held in my soul as true yeah. or the, to be the case, I now had to see very differently. Yeah. yeah. And, and that was, you know, my, my personal opinion of myself suffered <laughs> but that's not that interesting anyway it's, not ha- it's, it's nothing compared to the joy of feeling like breaking through mm-hmm. to the reality and nature of him Christ Jesus his work then and now with us and it was at that moment I remember at this point it still was like we were on the road I still didn't yet know who was walking with us. It was just the, you know, oh, we're just unpacking this. We're unfolding the story, right? It's like, but I, I didn't realize who was helping. Yeah. <laughs> and so we expanded it. We brought um, some colleagues in. It was a kind of, we had a theological. Yeah, theological. What do we call it? Theological circle? Group, or, right? I don't group, remember. Yeah. Theology group. Theology group. Yeah. You know, we thought, well, shouldn't others, wouldn't others want to be a part of this? <laughs> <laughs> and they did, yeah, sort of. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> they definitely didn't have the same fire that we did. Yeah, yeah. Or need. It was like a need, Yeah, it I was, would say. Yeah, we were thirsty for this. Like they wanted to visit often. Yeah. And we were like, when can we get back? <laughs> when can we start to, talking about the nature of the eye? You know, <laughs> what happened at the Mystery of Colgate? <laughs> yeah. It was so powerful. Mm-hmm. So powerful. So it's like, and then then stuff started happening in our lives, mm. actually. Mm. <laughs> and it was like the theological questions became personal biographical experiences, mm. Mm. where he broke into our work, into our lives in such a direct, personal way. It was like we were laying the groundwork, or he was laying the groundwork with us, in us, to also have eyes for what was happening to us and when it happened. Yeah, yeah. At least it seems like to me, I don't know if he would use the same words. Yeah, I think that is true for most thinkers I would say in my experience too that the more we really get clear on the concepts and ideas the more our lives bring us the possibility of living those ideas not to the grand extent of Christ but to a small degree, mm. so that we can, yeah, 
experience it because of course truth is only truth when you when it becomes lived when it becomes felt and willed And then it, you know, continued on for us so that it became kind of the foundation of yeah. our calling to the seminary. That's it. And now is, is, the, is, the, is the foundation for the whole for shift sure. and transformation of the training that we're trying to bring to the students. No it's just question. The, like we were going through his school. It was just readying us. Right. Because he needs somebody, apparently, for this particular work. Right. Yeah. And the school was a kind of divine struggle, a divine wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think that's so informative also to our, for our listeners that spiritual impulses, I believe, I, I, I know, come through wrestling. Mm-hmm. And, and a kind of a kind of wrestling, where it's not it's not fighting against again, it's not fighting to get rid of the enemy, but it's fighting to fighting with, so that more and more nectar can be extracted from the. The twisting and the mm. squeezing and the <laughs> <laughs> until yeah, even today. So that that I experienced with you too, Patrick, that you weren't you weren't shying away from that holy conflict, if you will that you felt somewhere that it was vital mm. for our work, for your work, for, for, our, for priestly work. Yeah. yeah, it feels like a... I felt like this breathing between... There's like a fierce guardianship of the truth on yeah. one hand, yeah. and at the same time a readiness and willingness mm. to be shown that, that what I what I thought was the case is not the case. Yeah. And that actually that's part of the engagement is I that's a good point. I need you to really show me. Yeah. Not I'm not gonna just take on easily yeah. a contradictory thought. I I need you to show me that it's the other way or it's this way. And yeah. that takes some that takes sometimes some questioning the content questioning each other, questioning something someone said, did you mean that? But then if that's the case, this, and that kind of, not debate. It, doesn't, it didn't feel ever like debate. It wasn't about winning an argument for me. It never felt like that. But <coughs> this picture of the son of man, the son of the human being with a two-edged sword mm. coming from his mouth, I feel like that touches a quality that that we could take forward in these 40 days like 
outer physical conflict is actually really terrible in our time. Mm, mm. But spiritual battling, mm. I think, is actually appropriate. Wrestling, not it's not about destruction, but really sharpening uh, the sword of truth in seeking it. Because not so that you can win and dominate and, and be dogmatic. That's the absolute... You know, that would be horrible. Mm. But it's also not all true and not all good. And, that, you know, actually, and that can lead us down also really horrible paths and, into swamps of untruth That's and it. lies and kind of um, social lying in a way to just make sure everybody feels comfortable and okay, but living in untruth. Yeah. My heart longs for grace and truth. Yeah, exactly. Embrace and love and light. Yeah. And love without truth becomes just something sentimental and anemic. Yeah. And then truth without love becomes tyrannical. And dogmatic. Oh, yeah. Beautifully said. Yeah. And another way of saying is, how could you love me if you don't know me? <laughs> yes. I'll never feel loved. I feel like you're having some feelings. Yeah. But you don't know me. And this yeah. loving Christ, mm. for me, is connected with trying to understand totally. what happened. Yeah. What is Easter? So to, to spend 40 days with you and with everyone who's here, and I, I'm hoping also we'll have times where we can solicit questions, maybe even from others. Uh, yeah. Hey, you guys, could you take up this question? Yeah. I think that'd be exciting. We'll, be we'll certainly exciting. draw from different places. But I wonder if, if today we couldn't continue that first question on hand of our Easter liturgy a little bit. Great. If, if there's time. How are, how are we yeah, feeling? I'm, I'm, let's go for it. I remembered it today as I was celebrating. Actually, when you had mentioned wanting to do the beginning, I hope you're okay with picking up an element that is exactly the same question. Okay. okay. In our liturgy. Yeah. yeah, you okay with that? Sure. So in the Christian community, we have these seasonal liturgical prayers that mm -hmm. are mm -hmm. read at the beginning and the end of the Eucharist service, the communion service, mm -hmm. that we call the act of consecration of the human being or act of consecration of man. And there is this inserted prayer that is quite long, two pages of verse, read after the gospel reading, the sermon, and the creed, so the beginning of the service, the first portion is over. Hands raised upwards and stretched out in kind of hymnal praise. These words that speak of delight and joy and jubilation of the earth and of the human being at what has happened on Easter. And then comes this, these words that describe 
the significance of Easter for us. It's kind of like a description of the Easter process for Jesus Christ, but it also, you hear, it's actually speaking about the Easter of the human soul. Mm. Why do we celebrate this every year? It's talking about, I think, the Easter of the human soul. Definitely. So that the human being finds something Mm. in themselves... Oh, forgot to turn the phone down. <laughs> Find something in themselves that when it is in full full of devotion. When a when a human soul is full of devotion, which is filled with a kind of delight. Delight. Mm. The human soul full of the delight of devotional prayer experiences the resurrection forces inside them. Mm. experiences what is risen in power from chains of death is the first phrasing Hmm. and then speaks of something that is newborn in the life of Christ and then says what heals the self in the ground of the soul there it is actually in the phrasing Amen. It's only in Easter that I can think of that there's heals the self. I can't think of any no. liturgical phrasing that says heals the self. Unless you think of Passion Tide as a kind of a healing. Or this, as a preparation. Right. As a pre- for this for moment. For this moment. Yeah. But that's certainly also maybe connected to the healing process. Myself lies lamenting on the ground. Raise it. Yeah. Yeah, so how is this healing achieved Mm. in your understanding? How is the self Mm. healed Mm. through the Easter event in the ground of the soul? The, The next phrase is so striking. Living is the soul which was dead. So, so the, the self is healed, the soul was dead, shining is the self, so which was, was dark. dark. So self and soul are differentiated. Yeah. And there was darkness, there was death in the soul, there was sickness of the self. Yeah. Otherwise it doesn't need to get healed. So talk to me, brother. <laughs> How do you... And even the spirit, if we just take that one final step, that... Um, uh, shining is the self which was dark abounding is the spirit which was closed yeah. the spirit was closed the self was dark the soul, the soul was, was dead, dead. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean I would just say you know just to kind of put it simply that's where the healing begins mm-hmm with recognizing that the self is the the place of my heart, the place of my heart, which you like to to point out is not the heart itself, but the place of the heart, which I think is quite right. Um, As a kind of mystery word to denote the actual earthly self 
the reality of the earthly I, that this place we, we hear beginning of Passiontide is empty and it's lying on the ground. Myself lies lamenting on the ground. And we can also infer back from the epistle you just read that this self is also dead, dark, and closed. as a kind of conditionality Mm. that if we're going to be healed has to first be recognized. Mm. And I think that's why it it points it out Mm. in the liturgy that, that this healing process, as you asked, this healing process of the self is a kind of journey from seeing the sickness of sin in ourselves, in, even into ourself, our soul, our spirit, ourself. And then in that condition, choosing to turn and ask, and even cry out for him who is the medicine for the self. In that graced gift experience of feeling him who was always there walking with us. Mm. And it just opens up to our awareness and we realize, oh, that was there all along. It was there the whole time. They remember <laughs> back, yeah. Right? But this, this experience, I'm kind of t- talking in pictures mm-hmm. here, but this experience of, of, of opening to him at the altar of our soul, mm. where then we feel that this deadness becomes alive, this closeness opens and this... Um, darkness becomes light-filled. That's a kind of way of just saying that the journey of the healing of the self. It just brings up so many more questions. Beautiful, brother. Um, What is the soul? Hmm. What is the self and what is the spirit? These three things that are described, why do they have their different experiences? What is the death that the soul is experiencing? The uh, sickness on the one hand of the self that's mentioned before, the self is healed. But this darkness of the self and then the closedness of the spirit and the abounding, you know, the, the different gifts that come. Living is the soul. Yeah. Shining is the self. Yeah. Abounding is the spirit. Is the spirit. And what is that? That's what is this that had? What is the sickness? What is that? What is it that was lost? As is described in the Passion Tide Episcopal, these yeah. these pictures of you have lost the spirit 
that awakens you. That fundamental diagnosis. What is going on with humanity is you have lost the spirit. Because we know many, many spiritual teachers in our time are teaching about the self. And they're teaching about the ego. They recognize, hey, the sickness that is pouring into our world, into the economy, into the uh, um, natural scientific world, into the effects on the environment that comes from ego, comes from selfhood. They recognize, people are recognizing, and have for a long time recognized, the sickness of our world, not just of humans, is located back in the self. So the part that they are often jumping past what I want to get into maybe tomorrow we could pick this beautiful, up beautiful. what to do about that yeah. <laughs> is it and, and what we often find is either kill it yeah. destroy it get rid of it escape it ignore it do take it out of the picture get rid of ego yeah. and then the universe will come back into harmony again and you will too or discover yourself is God. Oh. <laughs> and if you just change your orientation inwardly, yeah. you can manifest whatever reality you think. Yeah. You are a divine creator. Oh, this is so great. I'm just, you just hit it on the head. With this, you encapsulated this, the fundamental essence of our modern spirituality in a popular form. Either you have, you go to the bookstore, you, either you have books that are showing you how to get rid of ego, get rid of all that, or you have books that are showing you how to make ego into God. Mm. So that you can create whatever reality you want to create. That is the essence of popular spirituality in some form. But talk to me about this, how, how this is so radically new and different. That's, I mean, that's what we balance, can get into. Right? What, this third way that seems to open up here, healed, yeah. is the self. The self goes through a healing that allows it to begin to shine. What is that? What is the Christ approach to the ego problem? I think that it clearly is an Easter question. Absolutely. And that to me, to feel the bow, the arc of our story and our, and our wrestling for truth, that that was the beginning of that question back then. Your talk was about how the self was healed at the baptism in the Jordan. Mm. And we began to wrestle about that. I said, Pentecost, our liturgy apparently is saying Easter. <laughs> and so it's like right in between <laughs> both. Like I was way over there at Pentecost. You were back at the baptismal <laughs> baptism. <laughs> And, and it's Easter. And it's Easter. Here, <laughs> so I think to, yeah. it just feel, I feel the signature of guidance that we are gathering to try to do this now. And I would really look forward. I know you can't meet 
Mondays. Or Wednesdays. Or Wednesdays. So we'll pick this up Tuesday. Yeah. And probably tomorrow we'll have yeah. something else on our podcast to continue to bring Beautiful. some of the fruits of, from the field. Beautiful. I can't wait to the next one. Blessings, brother. Easter blessings to all of you as yes. well. Yes. I'll um, make sure to open up doors and windows a lot. Yes. However you do it for your body, go outside. Yeah. For your soul with each other, for your spirit with the truth, and with God's grace. When I cross over, I will shout and sing. I will know my Savior by the mark where the nails have been. By the mark where the nails have been, by the sign upon his precious skin. I will know my Savior when I come to Him by the mark where the nails have been. Man of riches, may He claim a crown of jewels, but the King of Heaven can be told from the Prince of Fools. By the mark where the nails have been, by the sign upon his precious skin. I will know my Savior when I come to him, by the mark where the nails have been. Just give